Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about game balance. Is it necessary in a role-playing game? First, I will have to have Saul explain to us what that means. This is an idea that was just kind of ingrained to us GMs, or I should say DMs, back in the early days. Because, well, let me explain what game balance is. So game balance is balancing the encounters that the adventuring party no matter what size, are equal or pretty close in strength. So they present a challenge, but they're but they're not too easy and they're not way too difficult. So the reason I say this was ingrained in us since way back is because dungeons had levels and basically you would go to the, at least that's what it looked like to me, that you would go to the dungeon level that corresponded with your level, your characters. So if I was fifth level or my party was fifth level or most of us were fifth level, we'd go to the fifth level of the dungeon. And we would encounter fifth level monsters. I've never experienced that myself. So. Right. I didn't really either. But if, if you look at any module, it'll say for characters between one through fifth level or two to, two to three levels, two to three of a party of five. It's so also telling you that the person who wrote it, if it's a module or that's what I'm a, talking about, a GM, if, if, it's, if it's somebody who made their own game, took the time to balance out what the party would be fighting. Right. Right. So, so that you don't come across the uh, three dragons ready to right exactly to eat and, people right. And basically, I've been play- running games like this for like thirty years. I mean, for as long as I can remember. And as many games as I've run, most of the adventures, no matter what system it was, was balanced. Right? They would never come across if they were second or third level. They would never come across a dragon that was like intent on killing them or in their way. Now, it might have been set dressing, I think, once. And I, and I have never, never used this very much, but there was this, I think it might have even been a, a con adventure that I ran for the kids. But either way, there was a white dragon, and he was flying really high, so there was no way they could attack it. I mean, it was really high. But all it was was like set dressing, right? It was like a way of foreboding the dangerous area they were in. But other than that, they didn't face the white dragon. They might have faced them much later. But even then, they, they weren't high enough level to defeat it. But I put him there just to, I don't even know why I put that, that white dragon there. There was a cave. And I remember one of the boys, uh, the two boys that went up there, at the time they were boys, they were like eight or nine years old. One was Gabriel and the other one was Augustine. And Gabriel was like, you know, he was a rogue dwarf, I believe. What was his name? Tarogi. Tarogi, yeah. So Tarogi. Tarogi had no fear. Yes, and no common sense, I suppose. Since uh, he went up to the sleeping dragon, right? And my son was like, oh, this is a dragon horde. I can maybe. But he had a common sense. And now, if that thing wakes up, I'm toast. But Tarogi, my nephew. Well, Tarogi wasn't my nephew. Gabriel, my nephew. And his. used, You know, he had a character called Tarogi. And. And instead of like being sneaky and stuff, he just walks up straight up to the dragon, right? I'm like, okay. What you? I, was, I didn't know what he was doing. So he goes, I'm going to punch it in the face. So I'm like, okay. So he punches the face, wakes it up. Everybody gets mad, right? Like, oh, my God. And so he runs away. He had enough you know, wits to run away. But he had he, there was nowhere to run away to because, you know, dragon could fly. And so at one point, somebody throws up. Uh, it was This was either Pathfinder or d and It was a Dimension Door. No, they threw up the something hut. I forget what it's called. Somebody's safe hut, right? That you can throw. It's a rope trick where you throw the rope and it go into creates an extra, uh, extra. That was me. It was, that was a, you. it was a dimension door thing. 
Yeah, but it wasn't dimension door. It, it was, was a, a it was a little pocket, uh, in like space. a pocket in the space. They it was called, Pathfinder. I don't remember. It, what they it call called. it something's magic hut or something, or maybe they just called rope trick. So they go up the rope, but Tarogi is intent on not going up the rope. So I'm like, well, instead of killing this character, which I easily could have done with the dragon, one you know, breath weapon away from death, I literally took his character and said, no, your character's not that dumb. He's going to go up. Because he didn't want to go up through the rope trick. He didn't want to go into the extra. It was a dimension pocket. Yes, yeah. Into that extra space. It was the one time that I actually to, you know, took over a character and said, you know, the character's not that stupid. He's not going to kill himself. And at the same time, I didn't want to kill his character and then later on him start crying to me about me killing off his character because he was already eight or nine and i don't know if he was testing me you know some people would might say that i would have killed his character teach him a lesson but no uh, saul's not into killing little kids character characters yes game balance is something that was just inherent in everything i did uh, even if so the game balance if I kind of balance the monsters to the characters level then most likely the characters are gonna win and I've talked this a little bit to Jolene about it and they'll win because they're better at running their characters than I am running the monsters because I don't run monsters for 10 10 sessions and know the ins and outs of their spells of their abilities and therefore when I go into a tactical situation against characters that do that all the time they know their characters they know what the most powerful thing they can throw or or the things they can do and the tricks of their you know something this is back when pathfinder was a big deal pathfinder is still a big deal for people that play it yeah well for our group so you know there's all kinds of different tricks and feats and stuff that they can use there are tricks you can use to do well in a battle now as a gm with a monster that i maybe have a passing knowledge of i may not be as skillful in tactical situations as the players and there's a whole group of players right they're all working together and 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 stuff like that and there's only one me so in that situation if the monster is equal to the characters the character is going to win because they're better at playing their character than i am playing the monster i have two things to say about that okay the first one is one time you did put banshees in front of us (laughs) we were very low level like third or fourth level and you when 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 it came to the attack time, you realized that one scream from the banshee was going to kill all of us. So you halved the the damage points or something. So we were all just laying prone on the ground. I don't think so because you were I, you guys were able to defeat it or no, we didn't. It flew away. You oh. made it fly away. Oh, it made it fly away. That was you hadn't actually looked at what they did. You just thought it was a cool thing to pull out, right? Right. Well, I had looked at the character level, and I looked at the. At the I mean, I, I might have made a mistake and looked at the creatures back then. At it was probably Pathfinder at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was. And they have you know what they call the it, CR a creature level. CR level, right? Exactly, and that helps you quite a bit to balance your game. And I don't know what happened. I wasn't paying attention or something, and I go, oh, so this. And then I looked at the damage. I go, wow, this banshee does like eight d six or ten d six. I'm like, wow. So I did have it, mainly because I didn't give them an, enough warning as to how, like if I had, I think we've talked a little bit about this before, but if I had given the players a little bit of a, like information about, oh yeah, you know, a, a group of, uh, of very sturdy uh, adventures had gone up against this area and they heard wailing and screaming and, and they were never seen f- from again or they were discovered all to be slain, then 
if that situation happened and they still decided to go that area, I might have just let you would not have. let the dice fall where they may. But I didn't even do that. It was just like a, it was like a side encounter. It was just something to occupy them for a little bit and you know give them a little bit of experience and make it fun for them because you know they, they like you know a lot of a lot of people who play Pathfinder and stuff. They like battles. So when I was reading about this, because Saul <laughs> told me that we were going to do balance in a game, and I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I did, but I didn't understand what he was talking about until I actually looked it up. A lot of people say that the characters, if you're playing an underpower character, that it's not as fun as if you're playing a mini-maxer character where you have specialties, right? But then other people argue that playing an underpowered character with a bunch of fighters or people who are really strong doesn't necessarily mean that that person's going to have less fun. It just means that they're going to have to play their character in a different way right yeah they're gonna have to be smarter i guess so if they're in the battle they could be the one that runs in and then everybody comes to save them right kind of thing (laughs) which is interesting because again like i said i've been running games for a long time and i never thought about playing an unbalanced encounter running an unbalanced encounter or or putting something in front of the characters that they might go after that was just way too much for them. And I remember years ago, my our goal, well, my goal was when I was running that D&D game that lasted 10 years, was that at some point we would trade off and we would rotate GMs. But that never really happened very late into that campaign. And after I started the second campaign that went up to 10th level, we basically it was the third t- time. I think it might have been, it might have still been Pathfinder. But anyway, so one of my friends ran an adventure and he ran a, an encounter and it was this dragon and we were like literally pounding our heads against the wall trying to defeat this thing because we really wanted to get kill it and we just couldn't we couldn't we couldn't do it and and we got really hurt you know but we had blew through a bunch of potions and spells and and our party was like oh we just got we got to figure out the trick to kill this monster and so the dragon just just kept pounding on us and pounding on us and we're like man and we retreat and then and so at one point after the the whole thing was done, after the not just the encounter but the the adventure was done, the GM goes, "Did you ever guys think of like running away? Did you guys ever think about going around this thing?" And it had not even occurred to me, right? I was just stuck in that. It was a meta game mo- moment, right? You know, the whole time I'm meta gaming, thinking, "Well, the GM is certainly not going to put something in front of us that we can't handle, right?" It's just. There's, there's, there's got to be something that we're missing that should allow us to get kill this thing to whatever you know we, we could always we could have always ran away because it was like in a cave system but we wanted it we wanted to kill it because why, why would he put something in front of us that we couldn't to handle and it just drove me nuts and then and then when he said that i'm like at the time i was that's crazy why would he do that to us and now that i think about it you know we talked about a little bit about making it a real world right the the sandbox adventure where we give out just a bunch of information you know a bunch of possible encounters the things that the party could go to and figure out and you leave it up to the to the players to decide which direction they're going to go and so in the in that kind of a setting in that kind of a game or any game you can present your party with uh, an encounter that is just not they're not going to be able to do they're not that'll mean certain death like if you're a third party third, third level party, a third level party and you hear about a dragon an ancient dragon horde or or hiding in, the, in a mountain and you go after that then i understand that if i did that and it breath weaponed us and did you know 
12 dice damage to us and we went into negative 85 hit point that we would certainly be dead <laughs> like the whole party and it'd be our fault right because like why would we think that we'd be able to handle going after that just because something was presented to us doesn't mean it's something that we should do in that um scenario i would assume there would be something else presented for you also oh yeah yeah you give and... like like you know five or six different things that are happening or rumors that are do that are happening and you know you pick the dragon and you're like they're level one theoretically somebody would say in the party would say well you know that doesn't sound like a great idea but and then somebody some greedy person would think of the horde you know think of how much gold we'd be rich well you know try to spend that money when you're dead dead that's up so that's an interesting idea that that a gm would present something if you've been playing D D or pathfinder for a long time usually the the monsters and the characters correspond correspond with each other it's kind of built into the system but there are systems that that doesn't happen right like call of cthulhu right um, exactly so the the players are always gonna either lose their minds or they don't have enough hit points to go after the big giant scary thing right and that's inherent in the system that's inherent in the way that and the people game love that game so there has to be something about you're, I, I also was reading though that some of the things are overpowered in that game, like the pistols, not pistols, the um, Tommy guns oh, and yeah. and automatic weapons can take out the creatures. And when yes. I read it, the person said, "I don't think that's the way Lovecraft stories were meant to end." <laughs> Just the idea that there's some unbalance in that game, right? The characters are very, very weak. they're very weak. But then, if they pick up a gun that's going to kill whatever it is, then that is also unbalanced because in you would stories, think in the story you would think that they the, were too powerful, right? And any game that claims to be realistic, let's say modern espionage, you know, if you get shot by a rifle round, no matter what, almost no matter what size, but let's say I don't know what size, but it doesn't matter, and it usually doesn't matter how big the caliber of the rifle is, you know, if you look at all kinds of bullet statistics and all this other stuff and hospital the bullet moves around inside of you well not only that but it, it moves at such a high velocity that it that there's this thing called hydrostatic shock which is the amount of force when it hits the body it sends waves throughout the body and if it's a strong enough bullet or a big, a big enough bullet like a 22 maybe a little 22 long what well, you know but, it also depends on where you get hit but yeah. most likely you're going to be in serious trouble so yeah so what happens is is that these waves it's not only the the bullet that does the damage but these waves will injure and create and like bruise i was w watching this one show and the doctor an er doctor says you know you compare a, a bullet wound from a pistol to a bullet wound with a rifle he says there is no difference i mean there there's a mass difference you know, a bullet wound, you could survive if it's fired from a pistol, but a rifle shot, it does so much damage to the body through hydrostatic shock because the bullet is moving at such a higher rate of speed that it literally, like he goes, I'll, I can try to save somebody if they get shot in the stomach, but if it, if it's shot with a rifle, those people are usually dead because what it does is it'll turn livers into jelly and, and things like that. And there's no replacing it, you know, right away. And that's amazing. So if you're playing in a modern game, you're playing Call of Cthulhu, you're playing anything like that, and you get shot with a rifle, there's no way you can represent that like, oh, uh, I got 35 hit points, and I take 10 hit points, and I keep going. So, you know, but in a realistic game, you're going to really suffer from getting shot. And then it takes forever to heal, right? Right. You're in convalescence for a couple weeks at least, or months. Months. You know, depending on what, you know how you're injured. So in Call of Cthulhu, it tries to mimic this, realistic view of, of people you know and they have you know like characters have like seven 
10, 12 hit points if you're lucky. And weapons do 1, 2d, 6 dice damage. And so one shot can kill you. It's that simple. So that's a different kind of a game. And so combat isn't a, a big, is not one something you love to do. There's not going to be like, it's not going to be like John Woo style. Well, John John Woo, uh, John Wick, where well, John could be like John Wick, right? If you're if you're not John Wick, right? Because he, he killed like a hundred people a scene in that in that in those movies. You know, if you're John Wick and you're playing that kind of character, that's different than playing the NPCs that get killed by John Wick. They don't get up, they die. But then he, let's say he goes against a, 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 another named. NPC, then the whole situation changes, right? Because they fight, they, you know, they don't necessarily hit, it. they might shoot each other, but they graze each other, they, they punch each other in combat and do all kinds of... Or they don't use a high-powered weapon and it goes right. into their arm into or their, their shoulder. Arm, right, shoulder, leg, you know, stuff like that. Oh, legs are harder because... Yeah. Well, you know, like graze. Yeah. I mean, that's a different idea of, of what the game is all about. So in those kind of games, combat isn't the big deal. Right? You want to avoid it. So you don't die. Correct. Because so if you're in it, it's like being a private investigator. The Rockford Files. Or, the Rockford um, Files. What was that? What was that? The that? Canadian one. Um, oh, was it Nova Scotia? Yeah. No, it's not called that. It was, oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> Do- Dobby's World or something? Doyle's World? Doyle. That was it. Doyle. Uh, something of Doyle. Company of Doyle. State of Doyle. Anyway, uh, somehow we got attached watching this. Well, my, my wife watches BBC America and stuff like that. So we watched this. I think they were in Nova Scotia. It was Scotia. a Canadian one. Oh, it was Canadian. And it's a Republic of Doyle. Republic of Doyle, right. And so Jolene was watching this, and I was, I was, you know, it's a, it was a series that lasted like five seasons and whatever, Canadian television. And it was really neat. We really liked it because it was all about, he was he was a private eye, right? And Jolene goes, this is just like the Rockford Files. Because he right? always gets beat up, right? Right. And, and I remember when I was a kid, my dad loved the Rockford Files, and I remember watching it, and he always got beat up. He got beat the hell. And, <laughs> And it always took him. He was always hobbling around trying to save people. But it was kind of realistic because, you know, he would get. He would never get shot. No, he didn't get shot. Yeah. If he did, he would have been in the hospital. I don't think he carried a gun. Neither did the guy in Republic of Doyle. Right. So she goes, this is just like the Rockford Files. And she she listed that, right, that that he's a private eye, that he gets beat up. He purpose, have a gun. purposely doesn't carry a gun, and was the and they Rockford, were both old cops. Uh, uh, was Rockford Fire a cop? Yeah, I think he uh, was before. And so this guy, Republican Doyle guy, he was a cop too. And so I'm like, oh, so they totally just re, you know, updated. And it was a good show. Updated. It was Rockford an excellent Files. show. Now the Rockford Files, I've watched it when I was a young kid. I didn't like the Rockford Files mainly because I was a little kid. I mean, I was a little kid. So was I. Well, you were even more dad, little. But my dad really liked it, so it was on all the time. It was like right. your sister, whatever she put on, you watched. Well, she right. put on Maude and what is the other one? They did those two. But the the point being yeah, sorry. that, <laughs> like that he, always got, he always got beat up. Yes. And he was always hurt. Yes. And they didn't portray it as like, like, like John Wick. John Wick gets hurt. John Wick got shot in the shoulder. Yes. And, um, he powers through it. He does, but he's also really hurt, too. Like, you know, he has to go... And have someone take out the bullet and all that kind of stuff. Yes, and, that's true. And he does have downtime, and then people do hit him where he did get shot and stuff right. like that. Oh so, yeah, and, and, yeah, they get, give him handfuls of pills. Uh, yeah. So he's basically wa- walking around all doped up and and functioning exactly. I think Rockford Files and John Wick are two totally different uh, worlds, right? They're two right. different campaigns. Right. Where John Wick can take a bullet, he can get even more beat up than. That, I think that's why D&D is so prevalent and people like it so much because 
you're most likely going to get if you get shot with an arrow you have a wizard there or a, a sorcerer or a cleric who has spells to heal you yeah, versus potions, right? you don't have to go to a, a butcher to get the thing taken out of you and the, a butcher well a, a veterinarian dentist, a veterinarian. Uh, Let's say veterinarian you don't have to go somewhere and have someone work on you and stitch you up and hope that you're not going to die from an infection because it's D, right so so they take out the realism of it and make it more exciting and easier to play so you can go down to zero hit points and still someone's gonna get you up and you're gonna be able to after a long rest you'll be able to stand up and well yeah in the new rules it's really hard to keep those players down those characters so that's down. not that's not realistic right no but but it is right. fun why would i play why would i play a, a role-playing game where i'm gonna get shot and die <laughs> where when i can play a well, you're supposed to use your wits right right i right. understand but i'm just saying it, i think that's the fascination with D D. Or the one of the others, um, space opera, space opera, anything where, but space opera is pretty deadly too, right? But it's like D and D, you can yeah. get shot with all these weapons and stuff, and still. It depends on how close you have a, a cleric or a sorceress to you that can help, help heal you, right? I think what it comes down to is what is the purpose of these, well, the RPG, right? Is the purpose not the purpose, but what is the, what is what is what are you trying to teach, or what are you trying to have fun, or? Oh, I guess it's the type of fun that D and D is, right? Yeah, D and D is about. Heroic. overcoming physical encounters physical i mean like monsters killing them and taking their stuff usually and so it's geared toward that right it's geared toward combat it's geared to surviving combat and making combat this long orchestrated encounter or, or or scene if you want it's an incredibly fun time when when the dm or gm says royal initiative yeah you know Jolene, because everybody every... everybody gets excited and if you're in a historian or you you like miniatures and you get to get out your guys and and the monsters <laughs> are set up and the map is laid out then that's is exciting in and of itself but that comes like if just looking at miniature players the war game miniature players even yeah. you know they're very excited by their armies and <laughs> everybody loves that you know you're the general and you get to look at the map and figure out where the guys are gonna go and stuff like that it's a it's an it's a thrill when you do that right right but That's... it's also a thrill when you're playing a game where you're a spy trying to hide from somebody right or figure stuff out I agree. And so you think about war games and, and D&D specifically, that's where D&D comes from. That Those people who played war game were the same type of people who came up with D&D. Now, there's all kinds of stories about whether Gary really came up with, Gary Gygax really came up with D&D or whatever, or role playing itself. But it doesn't matter. No matter who you, know, who you talk to, that's what they were playing before role playing became a thing. They were playing war games. If you think about that, all it is is a war game. And instead of you moving the armies, you're, you're moving, in charge of yourself. One character. Yeah. And if it's all about combat, you know, you don't have an extra three phalanxes of whatever to it's continue on the battle. It's just you and the, right. the thief. It's you and your, and your compadres <laughs> next to you who are, are battling whatever you're battling and trying to defeat whatever monster you're trying to defeat to either progress on the adventure to get a clue or to get money or take their items and or if they have a magical item or something. whatever the game is right and the older games the like even when we watched the luke gygax play the live play of <laughs> tomb of horrors yes that was the first time i'd actually seen people someone map use a, a piece of paper and map their route the right? <laughs> i've never i never have experienced that saul has saul used to do it but I, from the stories he's told me and stuff, watching it was amazing. And then realizing how powerful 
the traps and the monsters and the ideas that these people come up with and they were kind of adversarial because you know they work really hard on these things right yes. and then people are coming along trying to outwit them and and get solve past the puzzle the right solve the puzzle find whatever they need to find get through it reminded me of indiana jones right when he goes into the, into <laughs> the, the temple the, yes, into, yes i thought i found it fascinating and the characters because it, it was a we were at a convention and it was a it was a live play game that only had a certain amount of time and the people that were playing it had either played or ha or weren't old enough to have played the original but or they had grown up playing it right i think he was running uh, two more horrors two more horrors but the rules were, was AD&D, AD &D, yeah. the first edition. And that's the hardback with the demon idol and they're prying the eyeball, the yes. gem eyeball out of it. And so, he, and then, you know, Luke Gygax, of course, is the son of Gary Gygax. And he had his original little two-panel uh, DGM screen. And he they all had characters that were, it was really neat. It was really neat to watch. And you're right. They only had 90 minutes and they quickly ran out of time. Because they were used and to... And some of them died right away. <laughs> right so away they brought them in back. the first room, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very deadly game. And I've never... I, and, but it was most... It was interesting to see that dynamic, something I hadn't seen before. Right. And it kind of... Because we've talked about adversarial GMs and stuff like that. But when you look at it from... When you switch it around and you become... You see it from the point of view of the person who creates the game and wants it to doesn't want you to kill all those monsters right you even get frustrated when we kill your monsters too fast too fast right so i a lot of times that happens when i fail to utilize the monster's abilities like damn they have this special ability or this but you remember like it ability. after round 20 right and you know, or after the encounter's over right i'm you know i'm stuck there with with the dead monsters and they're like yeah you know and they're hardly scratched the tomb of horrors is exactly that it is a killer Deadly. dungeon yeah killer yeah. dungeon i think they used it I'm, i know they did for a tournament right so gary gygax had developed the the tomb of horrors to be in a tournament style now you know nobody runs tournament D D games right i mean it's very rare to see them and but when you back in the old days in the 70s and 80s even people went to like gen con and they would have contests and the, you know you would get points for solving certain puzzles or getting certain you know so far in, into the dungeon because nobody would live right nobody would almost nobody would live it was literally a killer dungeon oh there was a riddle right remember there was a riddle oh, there was a riddle yes yes and so they're they're all trying to figure things out the whole panel up there i'm like i remember every once in a while my brother getting creative like that and trying but the thing is puzzles suck right because you get stuck on puzzles people still use them yes and people still get i've stuck seen on. augustine look at the puzzle on online as he's playing i forget which game it was but i remember him <laughs> and ian were going through it together you can hear him talking right if i step here we okay that didn't work so then we have to go back and do it again <laughs> and i'm like going that's amazing that that they're doing this and then because i've never really been in a game where anybody puts out a puzzle i mean clues we've done murder murder games where we're supposed to find out who killed something right and then you have to talk to people and gather all the information and once you get all the information you can put it together right right and the and the person who did it is colonel mustard of course you have to go and find the person and usually it's a vampire or a, or some <laughs> undead ghoul or something but but for the most part when we run games now especially like D, &D any combat orient orientated game then we balance the encounter because one we don't want to bore them by oh like oh they just they run through run, run ramshot over the encounter it'll kill the party right 
Right. I was always a, a GM that uh, I have a very low body count. I've hardly killed any character, and I've, none of them have stayed dead. Right? I felt so bad that I killed one kid that started crying, so I was able to resurrect them. I pulled out the DM uh, GM uh, special abilities of having a resurrection spell handy or save somebody's life. And then total party kill, I've never had one. Never. I've been in one, but it was a Call of Duty game. Other than that, I have never been in a total party kill. And I've heard they're notorious. People have them all the time. You know, I, I, I'm on a Facebook group or I forget what it is. But they go, oh, I just had my first total party kill as a GM or as a player. And I'm like, I was. So your question is, was it balanced or was it meant to be that way? Were you trying to teach the players a lesson? Yeah, I don't know. Or, I didn't say. Or that kind of thing. I mean. If well, yeah. it's a total party kill, then either the players went up against something that they shouldn't have in the GM's idea in mind, because right. then he goes ahead and just kills you all. Right. Or the players went up against something that the GM thought was not going to kill them, but it ended up killing them, right? Right. For example, the the Banshee. I probably would have killed all of you. Yes. In that one encounter. Since we only had like 30 hit points, maybe 40. And it did, for, and I think it, 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 it did like 88 damage yeah, or something. Yeah. So that would have been a total party kill, but it would have been like, it would have been a stupid death. The party would have just died. And well, I'm like, and, and I remember the encounter because we were just walking down the road at night. Yes. It wasn't like we were went after anybody. Yes, yes. So it was, that was a... And that was another mitigating circumstance of why I let it. I have the number of damage and then I decided just it wasn't worth it. was something to... to it was just to entertain. Yes. It wasn't the people it we were supposed to... It was a random monster. It wasn't the people we were supposed to look for or fight or anything so in, like that. Yeah, in that case, the, the players, none of the players did anything wrong. Like I said, there's a difference between, you know, running away from something and you run around the corner and your first level and there's an ogre there for absolutely no reason and smashes you right into the ground and makes you into jelly, right? Right. It's a troll. Trolls do that. And trolls do that. So... That doesn't make any sense. And neither did this encounter. I mean, there was a haunted swamp nearby, but they were just traveling down the road that was near this place. And so it was a mistake on my part. And why should the players, you know, lose their characters that they've invested? Even if they've only invested, you know, a few sessions, it's still not fair, right? And it would have it sucked. And people get very attached to their characters. Yeah. Yeah. Because they put, a, especially if they put a lot of time into creating them. If I had warned getting some warning signs and still the players insisted on on going after this monster going after the monster and it wasn't just a chance encounter then maybe after one attack they would run away and i might not have chased them but you know maybe one of them would have gone down but you know that's not what happened and and so i felt it was reasonable for me to backtrack or retcon as they said you know reconstruct the the scene in more favorable to the to the players but that's what gms do right I would hope. They take, I would out, hope, they I, take into account all of the things. I would hope on. that that GMs want their players to have fun. There's some GMs that don't care though. <laughs> so she's like, That's I've what heard the game that. is all about: having fun. <laughs> yes. Do I balance encounters? Yes, I still balance encounters. Do I present things that they can't solve or they can't handle? Yes, I'll I'll mention it, but. For the most part, if you're going to do that, don't present it as the main goal right. of, you know, this guy comes up to you and wants you to go and yes. fight these three dragons. You have to say, I'm sorry, I have to decline. <laughs> and then, so My like, party's well, exactly, then you have to metagame, right? My party's only first level. We're, Fifth level, whatever. We're matter. not quite up to this. Right. You have some goblins. <laughs> do you have some goblins that need, need to take care of? Game balance happens. I think it, for me, it happens organically. I don't really look too much as to... You know, the level of the monster. Because you could just overpower any character with 
puts in enough monsters of them. Look at goblins. If you go against a thousand goblins, then they might. You can't you know, kill all those little, little, little bastards. bastards. <laughs> Game balance for me uh, and uh, us here happens kind of organically. I think it's the best way for players to have fun and the characters to be successful and the GM to have fun, right? And the GM, right? If if you're gonna kill off all your char- all the characters sitting at your table, they are not gonna be happy with you. And uh, and that's not fun. I don't think it's fun. If that's the game you're running, right? But if you're running a Call of Cthulhu game, and, and somebody does, die. and somebody does something stupid, and they die, they may be more understanding because they they're they're in the Cthulhu world. Hello, they're and gonna they're, go crazy sooner or later. And that's not a combat oriented game. That's an investigative game, right? So in realistic games, if you do something dumb like a spy game, that's realistically a spy game. If you do something stupid and get caught, you know you get caught. Because that's what happens to spooks; they die. Yes, they do die. It depends on the game you're running, the game game you're playing, about game balance. But for the most part, you know, if a game is mainly about combat, then game balance matters more or less. But it doesn't have to. You know, you don't have to present every encounter as a balance encounter. You can present some encounters that you basically tell them you know this is something that you might take care of later and it's just present a world that's more realistic and that's pretty cool i think yes i agree but just remember sometimes if you present things to players they might just go for it so there you go your first party total party kill tpk they call it so go out there and have fun uh play some games and this is game perspectives with saul and jolene and you have a good day